Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his dues in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battles for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. So, I mean, I was doing it all myself. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. All right, Joe, welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourself in, pull those belts tight, and we'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, a four-time champion of the Camping World Truck Series, most recently coming in 2009, longtime driver in NASCAR's Winston West Series, and is a Featherlight Southwest Tour champion in the Truck Series, Check this out, Mike. 360 races over 17 years. 51 wins, 234 top 10s, 27 poles. That's what you call Napa know-how. It's Ron Hornaday Jr. Say hi to Mike Wallace. Hey, gentlemen. How are you guys? Hornaday, that, I mean, it's amazing doing these shows because I, I look at back at everybody's career. Dude, no wonder why you're a Hall of Famer. That was incredible. <laughs> well, I should be in Hall of Fame. You know, you know my wife, she's the one who should have been in there put up with all the stuff we've done all the years well you know lindy's a great person and ron and i race together so we'll everybody knows that up front most of all of our guests i've competed against but ron hornaday i tell you what the world knows who you are the race world knows who you are and all your accomplishments and all the championships and i did i tell you what i was odd jeff when i walked in to read everything how many championships ron right. won? not just in the truck series but the west series the southwest tour series hornaday it's you're quite a champion a resume. that's a quite a resume yeah 
Yeah, they owe it all to my wife, and I'll keep saying that all, this whole uh, interview. Are you sucking up for some brownie points here or something? Because well, we know she's your your shoulder to lean on and all that. But let's jump back to back in the day. And uh, you're born in Palmdale, California. Where's Palmdale, California? Well, I was not born in Palmdale, California. When Lindy and I got married, we moved to Palmdale. I grew up in Simi Valley, which is uh, in the West Coast somewhere, you know, on the other side about an hour and a half from uh, L.A. Okay. And, and then, when, when you grew up out there, let's just step up to age 10 or something like that, were, were you involved in racing? Was your family involved in racing? Or is it something you just acquired uh, the desire to follow? Well, I, ever since I was born, I've, I've been around race cars. My dad's raced uh, 62, 63 champion in the West Coast. And uh, just always grew up around it, I guess. And I never really, really wanted to do it at all. But, I mean, I, I guess I started racing bicycles around our, our local little uh, schoolhouse down the street. And every Saturday, we'd all get together and run 500 miles around the, the, the building at the, at the school. So, so did you win the bike race also? <laughs> I always did. I, I had a cheater. Champion. I had to swim back in the day. and. It used to be called a kickback. You, you had low gear would take off, and then you can kick the pedals back, and then they give you a second gear. Well, you know what, uh, Jeff? You may not know this about Ron, but he uh, he set the standard. We're going to move forward and back. He set the standard in NASCAR racing in regards to restarts. Mm -hmm. Mr. Restart. I mean, he'd smoke everybody's butt severely like going through the gearbox. So now I just heard it goes back to the bicycle days that he had a low gear takeoff in a bike. That's where he learned it. Yeah. I never thought of that. That's a good one, Mike. I never thought of that one. Yeah, well, you were so good and so dominant in the restart world. And that was every television guy, you know, Ron Hornaday, the restart master. And he clocked you pretty bad on a restart. But, uh, you know, they came out with my 51 wins, Mike. And I looked at him and probably 30% of my wins have come came on restart. Oh, yeah. It goes back to that track at Sauger Speedway, and then you know, back in the day, the lappers lined up on the inside, and we we lined up on the outside, and you're allowed to pass to the right. Nobody nobody passed before the start finish line other than me. Oh, really? So so getting back to the bicycle, we're advancing through that. You were the dominant bicycle king. You had low gear, and you guys run a bunch of laps. So you, how many buddies would line up at school, and how many, two or three of you, or ten of you? Oh or? no. We get about eight or twelve of us on um, any given weekend. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys all had knee pads and helmets and all that things on back in the day, right? Probably not. No, we had we had that little, <laughs> as we call, we had that little smart ass kid. Every time you drove by, it was a pretty big track, and you come back by and you throw sand in one corner and water in the other corner. So it's not the same every time you came by. <laughs> Progressing on through the bicycle world, lead us forward. Where did you go from there? How did, how did you become who you are? Well, we lived in Simi, and my dad, we had a house on the, in, the, in the cul-de-sac, and there's a guy around the corner who had a, a Rickman 125. It was black with a nickel-plated frame. I kept bugging my dad for weeks and weeks through this thing, so he made me mow the lawn and pick up the dog poop and did all this stuff, and I, finally I told the guy, don't sell that motorcycle. I'm working forward towards getting that motorcycle. And uh, I went up there one weekend and was gone, and it just really broke my heart. Not thinking about my birthday was coming up, so my dad bought me a motorcycle for my birthday and uh, just went into motocross. And I got uh, pretty good in motocross and got sponsored by Billy Payne in a factory ride. My third race in getting paid to ride a motorcycle, I got hurt. 
and that was probably 16, 17 years old. And uh, me and my brother, we sold our motorcycles and went into buying go-karts and started racing that little Indian Dunes and uh, won two championships in that in the first few years and quit doing that. And that was about all all I really did. And then, uh, you know, met, met Lindy and everything changed from there. So you talk about Lindy, and I know she's a big part of, uh, first of all, your life life is your wife but she sounds like she's a big part of your career so tell me tell us about that a little bit what do you when you when you two got married or met each other what did that change well her dad and my dad raced against each other at sauger speedway and they kind of had rival they they hated each other so i met lindy and her mom wouldn't let me date her at all and we, we had to sneak out of the house and we started dating and then her mom started liking me a little bit but um you know, we finally got married, and uh, we were renting a house, and I kept staying gone, working on Hans Westy's race car, Don Moll's race car. And she said, why are you coming home so late? Why, why are you doing that? And I said, well, I enjoy working on race cars. Everything. And she says, why don't you build your own race car? And right then, you know, you know you're married to the right person when she tells you to marry your own wife. There you go. That's perfect. Well, what was that first race car well, well, say you and Lindy say- built? I hate to say it because all my wins have been in a Chevrolet, but uh, it was a 64 four-door Berkeley from Rudy Prince used car lot. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody's got a, doesn't have an alliance when they're that young, but it was a Mercury, no. huh? It was a it was a beast. I mean, man, we had uh, old Hans Westy took a big F600 car hauler. We took it to the the Antelope Valley Fairgrounds on the first race, and we probably had 30 people there. I remember paying five dollars for my cage in that car. It was uh, John Christensen sold it to me for five bucks, and uh, we were racing at Anno Valley Fairgrounds. All right, I, and I, I'm horrible about years, but can you kind of take everybody that's listening? What year would that have been in, or close to? Not exact, even. Exactly, 1979. 1979. 1979 ran that in 79 and, and 80, and then uh, I got a guy, a buddy, gave a car to me to run a street stock at Sauger Speedway where my dad, my Father-in-law came from, and I was like, that, "That's the coolest thing you'd ever do is run at Sauger Speedway." And I got in the wrong class. I went to a sportsman's class with bigger tires, and I think I qualified like fifth or something like that. And the following week, coming out after my opening night, the following week I won a heat race, and my dad found out about it because it's in the paper. <laughs> and uh, what a way to get ratted out, right? <laughs> yeah, that was it. And then uh, Dad got involved a little bit. We built. We called it the the family car. My brother-in-law owned the hauler. My brother and my dad owned the motor, and I kind of built the race car. And we uh, just raced out of his garage. We did that for four or five years. Hey, hey, explain to me what Saga Speedway was like. I, I've heard about it, never been there, but here, everybody that's from the West Coast, that's just almost like Daytona is. What what was Saga Speedway, or what is it? Size and shape when, and all that. When the truck series showed up, Ken Schrader was there, and he said, Ron, you run here. He said, are we running in the parking lot? Because the parking looks lot looks a lot better than the racetrack does. <laughs> <laughs> the racetrack was a third-mile, flattest racetrack you ever see. And it rained in three and four. It was three degrees downhill, decambered. Really? They start, they start 40 cars for a 40-lap race, and fast cars started in back. So that's kind of where I learned my restarts and everything, starting in back all the time. Well, that's got to be a mess. Can you imagine that? A third mile racetrack with flat 40 cars. 40 cars. Wow. I'm sorry, 20, 24 cars, 40, 
24 cars, 40 laps. Okay, close enough. It's still a lot of cars for a short racetrack. And it so, is. so what about the surroundings? Because again, I've always heard of Saugus Speedway. I used to live back in the Midwest, and at times there was uh, legendary guys uh, that came to the Midwest. Ivan Baldwin. That was before your time, but uh, oh no, Ivan! I raced against Ivan. Okay, so he'd come to like I seventy Speedway, and you hear him talk about Saugus Speedway, and yep. It was it was the racetrack was crappy, but was the grandstands or anything nice, or was just kind of holding the? No, the racetrack was beautiful and smooth. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Gary was just being kind of a smart aleck and saying, you know, gotcha. That's so out of character for Schrader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Schrader on a few weeks ago, so we had some good stories there. They just just tore down the grandstands about a year and a half ago. That that's the bad part about it. But the racetrack's still there. They have swap meets and everything there. It's just. I mean, it's it's one of those things you got to learn how to move people out of way to pass them, and, and that's kind of I got my roughness of driving. Um, I, I don't know if it's called roughness or aggression uh, of passing people. <laughs> I think that's called defensively aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got something I want to ask you on that, Pat, later on in the show here. But uh, so you got that that car, you're running at Saugus, and you won your heat race, got called out. Dad, all of a sudden, you guys created a family car. Where do we go from there? Well, I mean, we, we're kind of getting burned out. We spent, we won a lot of races. We won the Firecracker 150, the Saugus 330, the Lapper. And there was not much there. It was getting more expensive to run the cars. And I got really an opportunity to drive for a guy. And everybody knows John Covan had Repco Racing Enterprises. His dad had a car. John's business was taken off. So I, he asked me to drive his car the following year. And uh, we did. And that was the first championship I ever got. And that was back in... Well, yeah, I said it was 89. I think, yeah, it was 1989. I won that, that championship. And uh, that was the first time NASCAR ever sponsored the race. So you can say I'm a seven time NASCAR champion if you want to get that one from being NASCAR. Yeah. So, and then winning that championship, we went to Bullhead City for the, for the banquet. And my father-in-law gave me a Kino ticket to play. And I hit the Kino ticket for $7,000. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And guess what I did with that money? I went over to Dave Jackson and I bought me a new, brand new Dave Jackson race car. And now, now that's when the Southwest Tour started. And I think uh, 1990, I, I started driving the Southwest Tour. And, and the Southwest Tour was a uh, what we would call today as a, a late model asphalt series, right? Primarily, yeah. Or... It, it was touring, touring. We got it all the way to Eureka, all the way down to Phoenix, Tucson, everything like that. Yeah. <clears throat> And you won, won a championship in that pretty quickly, didn't you? Well, that was Dave Jackson's car. You know, I bought from him, and then we started Victory Circle the following year. That's when I started building race cars. And when we started building race cars, I think our biggest claim to fame was that Phoenix race, the Copper Classic. I think they start 36 cars, and half the field was the cars that we built. Wow. So it was a pretty big deal. And then that's when, in 1992, Lenny and I spent every penny we had Let's go for that championship, and that's when we had that big wreck. We had the exhaust pipe come through the windshield at Phoenix. Yikes. And Jeff, you looked up things up. on YouTube before during the show. That's on YouTube. I watched that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a pretty amazing story, actually, about uh, – and I did it a while back – about winning the race, all the adversity and how it was going to be. But go ahead, Ron. I'm sorry. Well, there was, you know, there was three of us. Three of us going for the championship, and, you know, after the exhaust pipe came through the windshield, windshield the bad part about it was – my brother-in-law asked me to weld his exhaust that night. Guess his exhaust went through the windshield. <laughs> My brother-in-law. <laughs> oh man! So it really—I I mean, sitting in the car waiting for them. To, you know, going in and out of the pits trying to tape the the windshield, 
it burned a little four and a half inch clutch up and I was sitting stranded. I mean, we just lost a championship and tears in our eyes, you know, I broke a femur bone in my arm because the exhaust pipe came in inside the car. It's just a little, everything's going wrong. And then uh, Doug George ended up blowing the motor. So that gives us a chance. If Rick Crilly don't finish, we still won the thing. And sure enough, white flag lap, Rick Crilly blows the right, right rear tire coming off of four on the white flag. He's only 300 yards away from winning the championship. And, and uh, we finally got the car out back out the last 10 laps. <clears throat> and we pushed it across the line to finish because the, the front straighter was just a mess of race cars. And I think Darrell Waltrip and Schrader were first and second in that race. Wow. Pushing across the line, and all the guys are cheering. I go, why do we have to push it across the line? They said, so we didn't have no DNFs. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. What, well, that was an emotional race then. Boy, there's a lot more with Ron Hornaday. What do you think, Jeff Ken? Absolutely. We're talking to NASCAR Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest, four-time champion of the Camping World Truck Series, most recently coming in 2009. He's Ron Hornaday Jr. Ron may sound a little hoarse to you guys. From what I understand, you had, you got sick. You had quite a cold. Ron, I hope you're feeling better. I'm feeling better about my voice saying I keep trying to drink water, but I don't clear it out for some reason. Well, we'll leave you slide on that, Hornaday. You tell good stories. So back in the day when him and I used to race together, he taught me how to drink Coors Light. Just let everybody know. Oh, is that know. right? Yeah. So he's, Colorado Kool-Aid. He's got a lot of professions, and one of them is that. <laughs> so it's Coors, it's Coors Light when you're with uh, Ron Hornaday, but it's Budweiser when you're with Schrader, right? There you go. There you go. Oh, Schrader. Back in the day, Schrader was a Coors Light guy. Oh, is that right? Oh. I thought he was Budweiser yeah, all the way. Yeah, Schrader's in any type of beer drinker, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> depending on the area. So, Ron, you guys won that uh, championship in the Southwest Tour Series through a dramatic day, ups, downs, thought you. So you win the championship. Where do you go from there? Well, Lindy's got to be happy at that time. She's like, oh, my God, we've spent all this money, and we at least won the championship, not in dramatic fashion, but heart-pounding fashion. Then what opened up for you? Well, the biggest part is we got Palmdale Chiropractor when they came aboard the following year. I should say the, the following year after that, and that kind of helped us out. We just said, hey, we're not going to go for another championship. It's just a, it's too stressful, and we got a, a race car business to get going. I got an auto repair store, and I worked for a dad at the muffler shop once in a while. So it's been pretty busy, and it's like, no, we can't do it again. And long story short, we uh, we went for another championship the first three races we won, and it just paid for itself, paid for itself. And uh, ended up winning our 90s. I think we won at 92 and 93 back-to-back champions. So, and that was about it in the Southwest Tour days. Other than we just did a little bit of deal, and then everybody knows that in 1994, that phone call from Earnhardt. So, the people close to you and like myself in the race world think we know that story, uh, but the average person listening has no idea what that story is. So, so take us through the moment. Take us through. What, where, how that call from Earn? Now we're talking about Dale Earnhardt Senior, right? You know, the man, yeah. the, the God. So, how, how, take take the people listening that know nothing about it. How did this happen? Well, it all took uh, winter heat, and they were they were doing all the televised winter heat down there in Tucson Raceway Park. And I was just very fortunate that they ran ran on Sundays, and you know, guys go to church and come home and watch racing on Sunday instead of mowing the grass and. I just caught the eye of Dale, I guess, you know, and Buddy Baker and everybody was out there doing all the interviewing. And 
back in the day, I asked Daryl Walter, I said, how come nobody's hiring me? You know, and he said, well, you're the best at every picture 50 years old because you're gray hair back in the day. So I ended up dying it, went down to that winter heat and dyed my hair and started winning races. And I got that phone call from Dale with uh, one race to go. And I didn't, I heard that he was going to call me, but uh, we were driving back from Tucson and the, Monday morning because we stayed out there and did a, a little charity deal. <clears throat> and uh, we stopped and got fuel and we called the shop and said, hey, uh, we're waiting for a phone call from Dale Earnhardt because I got word from Richard Childress that he was going to call me. And uh, he says, well, I, I don't know if you, you remember Larry Nassim, don't you, Mike? Yep, sure do. He's a good radio host and everything. Well, he'd call Monday mornings and screw with the guys and say, hey, this is Dale Earnhardt, yeah. uh, Richard Petty, and Ron Holiday there. I won't talk to him. You know, so in the meantime, they kept hanging up on Larry and say, hey, Ron's not here. we got to get this car done. He's driving home, and he's not here. Well, it happened to have been Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> <laughs> Larry and then always how it goes. This is Dale yeah. Earnhardt. Shut up. It is not. Who is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. They hung up on him a couple times. So well, we finally get back, and then I guess Dale called for the third time, and I just pulled in, and the kid, they started running up and said, hey, Dale's on the phone now. And I said, well, tell him to hold on a minute. I got to go to the bathroom. I just <laughs> <laughs> so I put Dale on hold again. <laughs> well, he... But long story short, and, and you know, very, very fortunate enough to drive Wayne Spears' truck down there and his, his uh, Winston West car and go to Southwest Court to a car at every race down there in winter heat. And that kind of opened the eyes that I can drive a truck. And, and that's what come Earnhardt was you know, calling me. <clears throat> and uh, long story short, talked to Dale. He says, hey, can you make it out here? I'll send you an overnight ticket and get out here tomorrow. And I said, well, I, I got a race this coming weekend. And he said, well, get your guys to do it. I said, yeah, that's only me and my brother-in-law a good buddy. I mean, we got to turn it around and go for the championship down there in that winter heat deal. And he said, well, if you want the ride, you'll be here on Wednesday. And guess what? They had a, a first-class ticket. And uh, I was out, out on Wednesday morning and stayed there for two days and back on Friday and, and won that race in Tucson. Well, t tell me when you got to North Carolina. I mean, I, I'm intrigued by – I mean, getting – especially now today, all these years later, getting a phone call from Dale Earnhardt to come drive for him. I mean, it had to be kind of awing in a way. Tell me, once you arrived in North Carolina, he told you you'd be here. When you went to, I'd say the garage mahal was being built or about built at that time, what transpired? What went on when you uh, showed up there? Well, let's start getting off the airplane. And you have no idea, I've never been to North Carolina never flew to a race or race anywhere because you know we 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 raced eight hours away from each other on southwest tour so we drove everywhere i've never been on a plane and i i thought you know every time you fly you get first class because it's the first time i ever flew on a plane i thought it was cool <laughs> but we landed and uh how do i find this guy you know you know what's dale Hearn gonna look like as soon as i walk out the door after grabbing my bag here's a line of people standing in front of this black chevrolet pickup truck getting dale's autograph do you, mm. do you remember the Goodyear poster he made with his seven championships and his tuxedo. Yes, yes. That that morning, he he shot that. He he did the autograph the, or the photo shoot for that. So his championship trophies, three of them were in the back, and the other four were in the back of the truck. And he's in his tuxedo with his foot on the dash, signing autographs for people. Unbelievable. <laughs> and he he picked you up. He himself picked you up, huh? He picked me up. Right. Then we get again we get in the and you know there's two or three different ways to come from the airport to, to go to Highway 3 at the time. Right. He picks to go the back way and show me Ken Schrader's shop and show me uh, uh, Bessie's shop and stuff like that. 
And as we're driving up the highway, we just get on Highway 3, as I know it now. I didn't know where we were going because all the trees. You got to remember, I came from California, and our biggest tree was a yucca tree four foot high. And now you're coming to North Carolina and all these massive big trees and everything. It's like, wow. So we're driving down this little two-lane highway around about 70, 75, and he's passing cars. He gets up this black truck, and the truck pulls over in front of him. He slows up, gets another run, the truck pulls over again. About the third time, Dale runs in the back of his truck. <laughs> I go, whoa, what's this all about? We go about another three miles, all of a sudden this guy turns off and kind of sticks his hand out the window and gives Dale the gesture. And I go, Dale, what was that all about? He goes, that guy's dating my daughter. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out where this was going to go. Here, you I know? thought maybe it was Junior. <laughs> <laughs> so it was one of his work cans working on the ranch and everything down at the bottom of the hill. And it was one of Dale's, Dale's dually trucks. Oh, okay. So he pulled into the first gate at Earnhardt's. At the time, it was just a little chain lake fence. And, and as the time go on, the Taj Mahal, it's all a big fence. Ending. But he pulled in, and uh, as we pulled into the second driveway, he goes, there's the shop you're going to be working out of. But hold on. He drove down there and showed me all his cows, his ranch in the back there. And I we've gone for about an hour in his ranch. and come back up there and open the door and says, go and see Doug Richards. That's your crew chief. And that was it. I was just uh, went there and stayed at Doug Richards' house and working on the truck for a couple of days and then going back to Tucson. And I moved back out here in 94 and uh, truck series started in 95. My wife sold a auto repair store and uh, Vicky Soaker race cars and she moved back in 95. Wow. What a, that, that's incredible. You uh, you get a phone call. Your guys blow him off for the first few times he called. <laughs> Finally get a hold of Dale Earnhardt after making him wait for you to go pee. <laughs> and then you meet him at the airport with in a tux with all his championship trophies. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. So you go, you start driving for Earnhardt and drive that truck program. And now, are you do you just drive for him only, or are you working on the car or showing up at the shop every day? How did it work uh, back showed then? Up, showed up at the shop every day. I enjoy working on them, and uh, just got to know them. And then working on the kids, I worked on all the kids' cars, carries, and because you know, we built them kind of cars back there. Right. And Dale was Dale was paying somebody to put his bodies on. I said, now let me show the kids how to do it. If they're gonna they're gonna wreck them. They're gonna have to learn how to fix them. And we did that for three or four years, and I enjoyed doing that. Wow. So, so you you go out and you're you're helping the Earnhardt family, DEI. We'll call it now DEI, but the kids growing up. And, and I always want to know because this always was a debate between my brother Rusty, myself, and Kenny. Not a family debate, but other people from the outside would debate. So, of the Earnhardt kids, the two guys and the gal, we'll say it like that. Who was the best driver at that time? Kelly by far. <laughs> okay. I've heard that from numerous people, so I was just curious if that was true. I, I got the race with them all. You know, Junior just Junior was Junior. He's down in Myrtle Beach, and Kelly ran Tri County, and uh, Harry ran Hickory, and I went with all of them. And, and the, the good thing about Kelly, she she knows she can move people out of the way. She was a tough anybody in front of her, she was going to pass them somehow. So she had and, a little uh, Ron Hornaday in her already. <laughs> Well, I mean, who's going to go beat her ass? Nobody's going to beat a girl's ass, and then, <laughs> then you got to worry about Dale. <laughs> it would actually be pretty good to be a girl racing, wouldn't it, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. It would have its, its advantages, I would think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, you you started through there, or you're at Earnhardt's, and you guys go out, and you're uh, very, very effective by winning races and accomplishments. 
Give me a little thought or recap on those first couple years driving for Earnhardt. That was pretty cool. I mean, the very first race we sat on the pole, and I just I got the truck too tight, and we ended up like fifth or ninth or something like that at Phoenix, one of my favorite racetracks. <clears throat> just uh, hit and miss, finished the championship in second, and uh, he went went to Napa and said, we get, we get a sponsorship from you guys. I, I guess Papa John's came aboard halfway through the year. We had action collectibles on the truck. It was just a red truck at the time, number 16, and then Papa John's came on. And he went to, to Napa and says, hey, you, you guys come aboard. We get a sponsor. We can win this championship. And in 1996, uh, we went, ended up winning the championship. Well, that was great. So basically, Hornet, or, or, uh, Earnhardt hired you and didn't have a sponsor on that truck. He, he was going to do it out of his pocket originally? Yeah, he did that. Well, you, you didn't know how much he paid me. He didn't pay me that much either. <laughs> well, equal to the amount Jeff Kent and I are getting paid yeah, to do this podcast. Yeah. So, okay. Which is yeah, a huge exactly. amount of money. Huge. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, but he he that that's a way more impressive right there, especially what we know about today's racing, you know. So you won the championships, and um, it's just again, what's what what goes on from there? What what did you celebrate in those first couple years after you won that championship? What did you and Lindy look at each other and say when you when you got home from uh, the the banquet or whatever? Did anything special? No, just pretty cool. You know, you know, nobody, nobody's done this. To... I mean, I didn't do it to make a name myself. I mean, that's the only thing I ever knew. I wasn't very good at, you know, in school. I didn't, don't, still don't know how to turn a damn computer on. I'm lucky I know how to work this phone right now. <laughs> well, don't, don't touch it. It's working fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it just, I love doing that. I mean, I didn't do it for no reason other than putting food on the table. And I got a, I got a percentage of the wins, you know, and, and the better I've done them, the more money we got to take home. And uh, I'm just very, very blessed, I should say, for, for how my whole life went from the age of 19 meeting Lindy to getting married at, you know, age of 20. And now 42 years later, we're just sitting here talking about it. So. Well, that's wonderful. You both are great people. You know, it's funny how you just said that about winning, uh, getting a percentage of the win. So three things, Jeff, think back. We had Tony Stewart and we had Kenny Schrader. Mm -hmm. Now Ron Hornaday. Yeah. They all figured out that the better you run, the more money you make because you get to split more that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and Dale hired me pretty reasonable for for his for his pocketbook the first year, and then the championship along, and that's that's when the money started coming. You know, he started paying me a little bit better, and then the collectibles, the the diecast, and the t-shirts and everything. And the more you stand out with the fans and got to know the fans, the more product you bought, the more money you made. And and I learned that by watching you know Tony Stewart and Kenny Schrader and. Trader still sells a hell of a lot of t-shirts when I go to them dirt tracks and watch them race. I, I said that one day to him, my brother, Kenny. I says, what, what do you guys, something about not getting paid a whole lot? They go, hey, you have no, no idea how many t-shirts we sell out that back door. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Your brother, your brother, he, he, can't, he can't do an autograph session very long because he talks to every one of the people. He takes a half hour conversation with them, so when he gets about 10 people to his line. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, we're going to come back and talk to you about things advancing from there. What do you think, Jeff Kent? We certainly are. More with Ron Hornaday Jr. in just a second. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. Today's guest, Ron Hornaday Jr. Mike, take it away. Well, Ron, we just talked about you uh, driving for Dale Earnhardt, winning a championship, and there's a there's such a career of Ron Hornaday after that first championship. You're just going to have to lead us through it. I mean, because think about 
the guys that are driving down the road right now in that 18 wheeler listening to us how, how did you go from that that time of winning a championship to the career you got well the, the bad well, i can't say the bad or the good part but all, all the races going through there we, we missed the championship again the following year and then in 1998 we won it again but you know when you go on the monday morning meetings with dale and and try to use an excuse. You can't use an excuse to a guy who's already done everything. And, uh, you know, he's fun people out or wrecked his own stuff. But the excuses were never there. So it just, you had to buckle up and say, hey, I'm going to get better or not get better. And that's what kind of made me a better driver, was racing for Dale. And there was no excuses. And our Monday night, Thunder, we sat down and had barley pop. As, as, as Mr. Allison would say, they call those beers barley pop back in the day. Yeah, uh, and that's how mainly I learned a lot. So just winning the second one, but the biggest heartache was just going to go getting ready and got all the trucks ready to go racing for the, I think it was the fourth year now, uh, maybe going on the fifth year, and uh, I'm waiting for that, that reassigned piece of paper saying I get to race for Earnhardt again for another year or two, and I get called up the office. And, yeah, this is my big day on this Monday morning to get up there, and Dale told me I got to look at my options. And I went, what? I just won another championship. I got to go look for a job. And in the meantime, he took a phone call, right? And I didn't know who it was at the time. But the phone rang. He says, Ron, I got to take this phone call. And I said, really? You're firing me? And I got I to gotta wait after this phone call? So I got all mad. And running out the office, throwing shit, throwing everything out the window and getting mad. And I jumped in the truck and did a big old burnout and got up the street. And I called my wife and we stopped and went. So I think I just got fired and I got Dale's truck. So I got to get my truck back now or should I wait until tomorrow? <laughs> well, just to make, make it any better for you, Ron, Jeff Kent and I, our first show that we sat here and talked about, we talked about what they call it, just business. Right. That means you think you're really secure, you're really good. Jeff had a great position. And then all of a sudden, just like you and I, it's just business. We're, we don't need you. We're going to make some changes. It's not personal. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. It's very personal. Tell that to my family. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, the, and the best one is, you know, after after Dale fired me and kept going, I got to racing for other drivers, other owners with, and that, and uh, you get fired. And it's like, well, the, the, the people on the, in, the, in the industry is looking for a change. I said, well, who are you talking about? Because I've got them both at my house right now. Sue and Santa stayed at my house. I can call them up, you know, so. <laughs> And, it, and they all changed their voice on that. Yeah. So what was the reason that, that he had to let you go then? Was it a sponsorship thing? Well, yeah. I mean, they, they flew the map and everything, and they were going cup racing. I was in the middle of building a big Tomahawk, and they were doing real good with Park and, and uh, Dale Jr., so they're going to start a third team and taking that money over from, from what Nap was giving us. And uh, I kind of understood after, after sitting down with him the next day, he called me up and said, hey, don't be mad, bud, because I can, I can really – make your career really tough from now or I can really help you out and, and, and you know, points in the right direction. And he, he done that. He, he gave me an opportunity to race for AJ Foyt for a couple of years and, and went on from there. But I mean, it was just a, a deal where they were in a cup racing and, and Michael Waltrip had a lot more laps and, and everything the racetracks were going to. That still hurt, man, after a championship. But we'll move on from there. So you, that, that part of your life is behind you. You're devastated because I would have been devastated. We all were. If somebody, and uh, so what's I get the, mad every time I talk about it. Well, we're not going to keep talking about it because <laughs> Let's you, move on. your voice changed since we, <laughs> we brought that up. But 
<laughs> I don't got. I don't have tears. It's just my 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 voice all cords going yeah. down. Yeah, and I know what what that whole deal's about, man. We all got those stories to, to share, unfortunately. And uh, so after you move on from uh, Dale Earnhardt, you get an opportunity. Did you say with AJ Foyt? Well, you and I, if you remember that race, and and we started. I think I was forty. You were fourth, and I was forty second. And we went up the middle. I think by lap three or four, you were leading, and I was running second. I pushed you up through the middle. Yeah, that was Daytona, man. We set the we set a new we, we set a new deal, Jeff. Really, we did. No, not a lot of guys would run in the middle at the speedways. Right, they'd get on the bottom, the top, and yeah, go get on. Trained if you... and Mike and I were driving the best equipment, so we we made a pack. Last, <laughs> after the first race, we made a pack. We're gonna find each other. Yeah, so uh, we ended up splitting the rows, and we drove straight to the front. It was amazing. It really was. How did that race turn out? Well. Unfortunately, well, a lot of races that have run good and the finish results are never that good. Right. You know, but Mike and, uh, Mike, and only, Mike and I only got one race and we'll get to that. And that was at Talladega. It was the best race we ever ran. Oh, we got we we gotta talk about that in just a, a little while here because that's but, but man, that's ma that's making me that. tear up on that, that Talladega deal. But go ahead. So But getting back getting back to that, after the race, Teresa Ernard come by and she says, You should have seen how funny it was on the radio at that when you passed Earnhardt you and Mike passed Earnhardt for the lead. Patricia says, Dale came over the radio and says, I think I hired the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're a wheel man, Hornaday, that's for sure, no matter what you get in. So so you go through uh, the Foyt program and you get some other racing. Give, give, me the, uh, give us a quick scenario of moving fast forward through the career. And well, any the, highlights the in there that, that are fun to talk about? Well, nothing's fun from there. I mean, you know, we, we I got I got an opportunity to, to race with a lot of great teams. I've had AJ Foyt, and then, you know, you get all done, and I got to drive three or four years with, with Childress, and for some reason we just couldn't hit our ass anywhere. I mean, we only won four or five races in the nationwide stuff back then. I think it was uh, the Bush, Bush Beer, Bush Clash, Bush, whatever it was called back there, Bush, Chase. And, uh, you know, Richard let me go, and uh, – at the time, I was like, man, what do I do now? I mean, there's nothing out there. I uh, went, I think the truck series was still running back then. I think it was the, the first year I didn't have a ride. I went down to Daytona, and that's when, when Jeff Bodine wrecked on the front straightaway, and it was the biggest race. I was like, man, I don't know if I ever want to go to Daytona in a truck. That was a horrific wreck. Yeah, that was yeah. brutal. Yeah. I won that race. That was an inaugural race at Daytona. I was, okay. I was driving the yeah. two truck for Jimmy Smith. <clears throat> yeah. Claim to fame. Yep. yep. So, so, I mean, so the next, you know, I just, I ride hopped a little bit, you know, the Dr. Pepper team, I helped out for, you know, two years or whatever. And uh, Dave Farrell and everybody, Todd Losey, everybody wonders. I mean, I only go for, you know, for a percentage of that. It was a low buck team. And, you know, our big highlight was sitting on the pole, sitting on the pole at Phoenix or uh, Charlotte, and then uh, winning the race at Nazareth with it. So, you know, for a, a low buck team to go do that. We learned a bunch, you know, driving equipment, which should be, you know, racing up front and, and learning. Um, like I tell these kids nowadays, you know, to win, you got to first learn, be humble about learning how to lose. You got to be a good loser and work on it to make it go faster. <clears throat> so we did that. And then, uh, you know, it, it didn't have nothing going because they were shutting the doors down there. They just couldn't keep, couldn't afford it. And uh, I, I got a wild hair up in my butt and go back truck racing. And I had, had no idea where to go. So, I went and, went and knocked on Mr. Rick Kendrick's door, and he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to run trucks again. He said, well, I can't afford a full deal. I mean, I can't afford to 
go back in trucks. Ricky's racing nationwide and all that stuff. And uh, he said, if you want to run Daytona, the truck's sitting up there, and that'll give us, you know, buy us a couple months after the Daytona race to, to try to get something going. So <clears throat> we went down there and tested, and tested real well, and we've got a couple sponsors that, that throw the thing together. And, hell, we ran real good. I think Musgrave's the only one that qualified us. She went up there and run under the fence. You know, bring the remember we used to have the half inch wickers on the front. Yeah, 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 yeah. We said we're on the pole by half a second, and here comes Musgrave. He goes out there and that start finish line runs into the wall and brings his splitter back there, and he ends up out qualifying. But I think we uh, I think we were leading the race and had a tire come loose and end up finishing fifth, whatever. But long story short, they pulled the truck, Ricky Hendrick's truck, off the showroom floor for me to run Daytona, and uh, that, that was pretty pretty damn cool. Well, I'm going to tell you what, Ron Hornaday, to drive for Dale Earnhardt and then to get to drive for car owner Rick Hendrick, you've had a hell of a career just to that point, It's a feather in your cap, well, that's, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, with Richard Childers and A.J. Foyt and Dale Earnhardt, I mean, who else can you drive for? Yeah, those names. I, uh, I was at home the other day, and I have this picture. I, I drove that Conseco car for a few races for A.J. Foyt. And, uh, you know, we, we run so-so, nothing great, but – Everybody says, "What well, do you never beat me in it?" Yeah, no, no. I, no I, this is I'm just kind of going along with a story about car owners is where this comes from. I well, said, I mean, I, the bad part about it, and you know it as good as I do, is AJ. We built the cars out here, and AJ's still in Texas. He knew nothing was going on. He'd always said, "Hey, that was a brand new car." It was not a brand new car. It was a brand new body, but it wasn't a brand new car. Yeah, you know, he, he was getting billed for that stuff, and he he got pretty frustrated. That's how come he got out of it. I I was uh, I agree with you there, and I was just conversing about car owners' names. Age, think about that. We both guys can say we drove for AJ Foyt, right? right? You know, yep. I says the only thing I didn't get out of AJ, and I actually talked to AJ the other day. I was trying to get him on come on the show, and he's considering it. But I says, you know, the one thing I never got out of you, I never got an ass chewing. I was wanting one of those. <laughs> like, everybody tells you how rough and tumble AJ was, but he was always really nice to me for the four or five races I drove for him. <laughs> well, that's when, that's when the, the, the window openings were getting smaller and smaller. We had a smaller window nets and everything. We're down at Indy, and he's chewing my ass. I said, AJ, you can't scream as bad as my dad, so you can yell up all you want. I'm doing the best I can, buddy. And if you can do better and get your fat butt in this thing, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would like to go fast forward. How how did you end up driving for Kevin Harvick in the trucks? That's I was I was still doing that little ride hopping stuff. I I uh, just ended up where Kevin called me and said, "What are you doing next year?" And I said, "Well, I'm." Talking to somebody about driving their nationwide car, I should say, Bush beer car, Bush car, and uh, it's a pretty, pretty well team. He said, "Well, give me the first opportunity," and he stopped at the house that, that Sunday after the races and uh, wrote it on a piece of paper. What do you want to do? And I said, "I'll do it." You know, and he helped me out quite a bit. I helped him out quite a bit. <clears throat> Went on from there, and, and uh, oh, what a what a successful! He really brightened up my career back to winning championships again, and. It's just un amazing what they've done, and not even—I can tell you the story about how he how he saved my life, you know, with my thyroid deal. Yeah, well, you know what? Do you, would you share that story? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Let, let's I knock it you, out here in three minutes, and we'll go to under break, and then uh, come back for some other. What happened? Tell me about the thy thyroid thing. Well, I mean, I, I got my appendix out, and uh, we ended up racing the uh, Gateway, and I was leading Gateway. We got my appendix out on Wednesday, and. 
and uh, we were raced on Saturday down there, and I was leading the race, and the damn hand came out of the bottom of the thing, and I overtook the motor with five laps to go. Long story short, NASCAR says, don't come back until you get a, you know, a doctor's release. And I said, well, I already got a doctor's release. I just raced yesterday. You know, that was Monday. So um, so I just started feeling sicker and sicker. And, I, you know, me, I've always been 202 to 205 pounds, you know, 5'11". And, and my fire suits were getting looser and looser. And, you know, about halfway through the next year, it's, uh, you're down at California Speedway, and the throttle was sticking towards the end of the race, and I was driving it with a toggle switch on and off and i think we finished like eighth or ninth something like that and i got a phone call from kevin and told me to meet him in the office and first thing in the morning well in the meantime didn't know why i was losing so much weight i got down to 134 pounds from 102 from 202 pounds and i've been going to my doctor with my, my appendix and going down the you know down the throat and the whole cat scans and prodded and thing they couldn't find nothing after two months I just figured it's just, hey, that's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty healthy, man. I'm losing weight. My arms are getting bigger and, and all that. And they, they weren't. I was just drinking a lot of, a lot of uh, malts and everything in the morning trying to trying to put some weight back on. I never did. So fast forward, Kevin got me up there and everything. And I see Corelli. And I said, where's Harvick at? If he's not here, get in the car. I'm taking you to him. Well, we drive up and we pull into this hospital and everything. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, Kevin's concerned about your health. And he wants you to see his doctor. And I said, dude, I've already went through all the insurance and I, I can this year. I said, I can't afford to pay for it. He said, just go in the doctor's office. We walked in there. It was in, not even five minutes. The doctor says, hey, I'm so-and-so. And I'm Ron Orday, back and forth. And he says, take your hat off. And he grabs my hair and looks at my eyes and says, you got Graves disease. I go, well, what the hell is Graves disease? He goes, it's your thyroid acting up. And, <clears throat> and he says, controls this and that. And then big works. I called my wife. And so this guy wants to do something to my thyroid. He gets on the phone and Lindy goes, well, can it wait? He's only got three more, three more months of racing. He goes, well, he'll be dead by then. So yeah. it, it got pretty serious. He found out it was my thyroid. And three, four days of, you know, eating normal, going up to seeing him and getting your blood levels right. And then they had to nuke it out and they nuked it out. Now I'm on, I'm on Synthroid the rest of my life. And it's, it's a steroid. And that's where my career almost quit. But that guy, uh, we'll, we'll tell that story after your break. All right, we'll come back. Wow, that's amazing. I want to hear about the Talladega story. Oh, yeah, it's, it's there. It's oh, you're, coming. It's coming. <laughs> you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. All right, welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest, NASCAR Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr. Mike? We are le learning a lot today about Ron Hornaday. Absolutely. About how he got to where he is, the winning, the almost basically almost dying and they got him all fixed up or better but i'm gonna tell well, you what the bad part wasn't the bad part it was it was the guy trying to ruin my career it was a, a, a newspaper writer called me up and said hey i'm doing an article you're 50 years old you want to races and you know, i talked to crowley and i talked to harvick and i want to can i come to your house and do an interview i said sure so he pulls up and i, I said all right what do you need he says can we go somewhere private i said those are my kids they don't i got nothing to hide from them he goes, well, I do. And he went down the back porch, and he pulled this book out and said, Steroid Nations. I said, what's that? He said, well, you take steroids. I said, yeah, I have to. I said, I'm going to die. Long story short, he said he wanted to be the, he's the one that busted Lance Armstrong, and he's the guy who wanted to bust Ron Hornaday in NASCAR for taking steroids. Wow. Well, we got our steroids, our centroid keeper down there in uh, uh, Florida, 
and I guess that whole place got busted for all the baseball players at the time and everything. And my name was on the roster, hmm. <laughs> getting on the mailing list. Really? Short, yeah. Long story short, went to uh, Nashville, not Nashville. Well, I went to Loud, New Hampshire, and had to get there at six in the morning, talk to Helton and everybody in NASCAR. And then we had a big meeting with with all the the media and everything, and nipped the butt, and I went on the race and won the race. <laughs> so hi. That's this is something I've never heard about before. So tell me, so was this just a journalist that was came to your house about and yep. fa found this list and he wanted to? Yep, yep. He said he said, Lindy said it's a hippo law. Well, how'd you get this his information from his doctor and all that? He goes, you never mind. You're lucky that I got a hold of it. Nobody else. Well, you're still gonna ruin my career. You're gonna print tomorrow morning. And it was a big deal how I was 50 years old running races because I was taking steroids. And Lindy goes, what did it make him push the gas pedal harder? <laughs> yeah wow i i never i you know i kind of heard something but i never thought much about it i didn't know it was that serious so yeah it was pretty bad i mean i got i was very fortunate enough to have the first one over there before i even got there at the seven o'clock was our little deal and bobby labani was there and he says don't worry about it bud i got your back he said I go, what do you mean he said i got great disease i've been taking it for the last five years master knows all about it oh wow so bobby and i've been pretty good buds about what what pills were taken and try different things like that so at the end of the day, you were you were allowed to continue your medication and continue racing at the same time. I if I well that's what I was telling Mike. You know when I got sick, I was in bed for four or five days. I forgot to take my Synthroid, and my Synthroid if I don't take it in eight days, I can I really hospitalized and I forgot to take it for five six days and it got my whole immune system down. And that's why I'm kind of talking the way I'm talking now. Wow. <clears throat> Wow, yeah, that's that's right, Jeff Kent. Wow, that's uh, yeah. And what's a shame of it is some there was somebody wanting to ruin a guy's career just for a storyline, right? You know, oh but, yeah, they they ran him out. All the all the other all the other writers ran him out, booed him, told him get the hell out of NASCAR, don't come back. Yeah. Well, let let's move fast forward, and I, I'm just gonna you you chime it in. I'm gonna tell you how I got an opportunity to race with you. That was. Actually, the last truck race I ran and I me, won. You were supposed to help me win the win the race. Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like you pushing me. That, that, <laughs> that's well, let's talk about this whole thing. So here, let me set the stage for you, Jeff. All right. I am at uh, Hornaday. Of course, is running well with Ho Kevin Harvick. He's driving for KHI now. Mm -hmm. I am at, and I think it was Bruce Cook. I'm not sure. Somehow we got conversing. Well, on a Sunday morning, I'm at Toledo, Ohio. With my daughter Chrissy, she's driving an ARCA car for Paul Andrews. Phone rings. I look down. I had Harvick's number, so it's Kevin Harvick. It's like, what? What would he want? You know, I answer, and he goes, "Hey," he says, "Elliot Sadler was supposed to drive this car truck for me next week, but his wife is going to have a baby." And he kind of was joking. He goes, "I think he's just really scared. He says he wants to be home for the baby, but hey, if uh, if we can get it all approved, and I won't know till tomorrow through the sponsors, would you be interested?" and race in Talladega next weekend, you know, of course, Hornaday is a teammate. It's like, yeah, no, without a doubt, nothing could be better than that. So Monday, he said, he said he'd call by 10, and at 9.59, the phone rang. He says, hey, we're all good. I need you at the shop now. You need to come on up and set the seat and all that. So I go up there. We sit in the truck. We talk. And I, I don't remember if Ron was there that moment or not, but th nope. throughout the week, this was just this incredibly orchestrated plan to go to Talladega, and that's when you used to be able to push, right? right. You push cars and trucks. So they built two trucks that were made to be pushed, and, oh, my God, Hornaday, you fill in from there. I mean, we're going to go back and forth, but. Well, we, did, we didn't know it was going to. Kevin said 
I want you guys to slaughter the field. I want you to push from lap one. And the way it works all day long, well, Mike got one time pushing me, and I said, I don't like this, Mike. I'm just uncomfortable. I'll push you. And, and you know, those trucks back then, we had a big six-and-a-half-inch spoiler, and you couldn't see over it. So I'm just following Mike. I don't know how many laps that race was, but it felt like a million laps. <laughs> and uh, just we come out of the pits together where if I was running second behind Mike, I'd stop and let a car go in there. So we lined up in the same same line if we're on the outside or the inside. And it just, gosh, Don, what a, what a fun race. And then, and then Mike got too close coming off of two. And I had to tell the spotter, tell Mike that I can't see. I, I got into the fence a little bit. And about four laps later, I turned Mike sideways and went to the infield, and I thought our day was done. And how, Mike, Mike, you say that thing is beyond me. You had that thing sideways. I seen the door numbers. You pulled right back in front of me. We never missed a lick and kept on leaving. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me back this up for you just a little bit, Jeff, because I, when we get to the racetrack, right, to this whole deal is – if you want to call it choreographed, I mean, it's it's got a plan down how we're going to practice. Right. Don't run full wide open practice laps. Just kind of go do whatever. Don't run together. Then at the last minute, it's like, okay, you two go, guys go out, run bumper to bumper to the middle of the back straightaway. We know a number we're looking for. So we go out and we run that number, and it we blow it all to crap. I mean, we're like, we're lightning fast at that point. And, uh, but we go individual qualifying. We qualify. Well, it was sixth or seventh. You know, it was it was decent. And so we're, we start the race green flag, and we kind of get jumbled up at the start, and we're not making a headway, and we're kind of jammed in the middle. And if I'm right, Harvick's in his motorhome. He's not on the pit box, or if he was, I didn't know it. And he, he comes across the radio, and that's the time you could hear each other. Everybody could talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Horn and Harvick tells, he says, you guys go to the front or go to the back. Just stop what you're doing now. So I swear to God, this is hard day. Tell me if I'm BSing anybody. We pulled to the top of the racetrack, right? Like the next corner, we get locked bumpers and we drive by the whole entire field within a lap. Like we're driving around now and there we go. And, uh, well, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Cause every time I got you, I'd shove you forward. And finally, when you, when you, I caught you, you rode the brakes and we locked on, we were hooked. Yes. We could, we, it was like, like you had a trailer hitch. We never unhooked. You had to, uh, so we through this race we, we're dominating this race it was the hornaday wallace show literally mike bagley who talks for mrn or broadcasts for mrn there's this great piece that's on the internet i, I play it when i feel bad because it makes me feel better <laughs> and says and he goes it's talking about coming off a of turn two and he's you know, bagley's going Wallace and Hornaday lead the field. As the rest of the field comes off a of turn two, they're driving into Gadsden, Alabama right now. <laughs> we had, literally, we had the whole entire back straightaway lead on the field by ourselves. Oh, wow. And, yep. and uh, so th- that's how the race continued. And then we, then it got jumbled up at the end and it become a race then at the very end. Yeah, it came, it came down to yellow, I think, with 10 to go. And then those guys started lashing on. And yeah. I didn't have an opportunity. I was supposed, I was supposed to win the race, but well, we didn't have it, enough, time to, enough time to get around or we are going to lose the race. Mike, you didn't get that memo? Well, <laughs> you know, I thought I had that memo. And I, I thought that was my positioning uh, as we got down late in the race. And... Uh, you know, early in the race, Ron didn't want to be pushed. He didn't like that. And I, it, I was fine. Somehow I didn't, my truck drove better or something, but we just led, we dominated. I mean, we, we, we killed them. I mean, we, we yeah. literally set a whole new record of how you do things. And, uh, 
to the point NASCAR changed all the rules after that yeah, race. Yeah. They couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> no so uh, between KHI, Ron Hornaday, and Mike Wallace, we screwed up the truck series for a few. <laughs> but but, uh, but you, uh, you said it the best how they did it. I mean, they spent months, or I should say at least a good month, on those trucks of, of the boiler plates in the front and just getting enough air in there and, and making a whole thing where we can push without bending nothing in there. They've done an unbelievable job. Man, it was so much fun. And that was my last truck race I ever ran. And I won, won? won that race. But Ron Hornaday was supposed to win the race. He was racing for a championship. And it come down to the end. I don't and there was no orchestration at the end. There was a I I th I think somewhere you tell me, Ron, did I think I'm hearing this or I didn't. I don't care come across the radio. I don't care who wins, but run first and second. Yep. Somebody, yep. I'm going to say Harvick said that. Just make sure you run first and second. Whoever wins, wins. And right. uh, I remember watching the last lap of that, and I think it was, I don't know, the bro, what bro, might have been Michael Walter talking. He goes, he says, hey, man, these guys, this was an orchestrated deal from last week, and damn, they're running so good. He says, but right now, they got to keep doing it. If Wallace pulls out or Horn, let's Hornaday, he says, the guy's behind us to so catch him and drive by him. And, uh, Ron Hornaday and I told him after this that race, he was the most unselfish person I've ever been around because he allowed me an opportunity to win a race, and yep. we, we ran first and second, and him and Harvick were the first ones at the truck, and my career was in the tanker at that time, you know. So, <laughs> and the, the funny thing about it is, I was that weekend. Carla and I were supposed to go somewhere for our anniversary, and I somehow our anniversary always gets screwed up. We never end up going. And so I told her we were going to this luxurious exotic island, and that was be the infield at Talladega. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually, after Victory Lane, of course, everybody's happy. And she goes, "All right, if you want to keep bringing me to this island, I'll come back." <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and then uh, I tell you, I mean, that, that weekend, I mean, that was just unbelievable how people looked up to us and looked at us, how we did it, and it was pretty cool. Jeff Kent, you you could, I don't think. Very few people have ever had the privilege to work in an atmosphere like that particular week, where it was so executed, so perfect. Both guys, both teams were teams, and we dominated the field. We win the race, first and second, second or first, however you want to say it. Yeah. I, th I think we both won the race. I just got the trophy for it. You know? And at Talladega, too. That just, I love that place. Yeah. and Well, it was a lot better. I mean, that's, uh, second was good with me because the year before that, I, I flipped all the way down the front straightaway, and when I got to turn one, I rolled all the way back down, turn one, so... Just to finish them races and then have an opportunity to to have a race like that, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Then then to, to uh, make it complete, we take the trophy on the way home on the airplane. All the guys, you know, everybody gives you applause. But the coolest part, his wife, Ron's wife, Lindy, I don't know, i say a week or two, let's just say two weeks later, we're somewhere, we run into each other, and she walks up to me and ha hands me these really cool luggage tags. She's a craftsperson, yep. builds these really She's got a little craft shop and yeah. an antique shop and hands me these two baggage claim, you know, baggage things you put on your suitcase. Yeah. One side of it's for the name. The other side, it's got a picture of Ron and I in victory lane <laughs> winning that race at Talladega. And I still use that yeah. suitcase and that same baggage claim today because it's. She uh, still, for these little, these young kids we've been helping out, she does the same thing. I'm look, I'm staring at a baggage claim right now with Landon Lewis on it. Tell, tell us real quick. We're going to run out of time, and I don't want to do it. So there's our Talladega story. That's cool. Yep. That and a then, great story, then Kevin, Kevin, Kevin came to me and says, hey, I got I'm selling out in the whole deal. So all the guys, he found a job for most of the guys in the shop. He'd done it right. I don't know anybody can get into racing and have a, a full-time nationwide deal, a full-time truck deal with three and four cars and three and four trucks. 
and sell them all and sell the building and, and get out of it a money ahead. He's the only guy I've ever known known to do that. T- tell us real quick about the young man that you're helping. I think you just said Landon Lewis. I watched an ARCA race where he won at DeCoin. Well, thanks to you. I'm called Kenny Schrader and you. And I've never been there and helping this kid out. And we got an opportunity. There was diverse, the diversity program, and they never had a dirt car. So they said they'd pay for the tires and the fuel. So it got us an opportunity where, you know, I don't like to pay for rides. And, and, Mark Red had a car, and we went out there and ran. And in the first race, he ran seventh and ran a hell of a job. And we went down to the coin. He ended up sitting on the pole and winning the race. And, and I don't know what to do with him now. We, you know, we ran uh, Salem. We screwed him up in Salem. But uh, unbelievable talent. 15 years old, just turned 15. Been racing with me since he was 12. And these dirt cars and everything. And just, I mean, he won his first race when he was 12 years old in a, in a big open motor dirt car. So you know what those take, right? Sure. How those handle <laughs> So. Well, you, uh, so you're his coach, tutor, manager. What are you right now? We're going to end this in just a couple seconds. So uh, tell us what I'm everybody just, wants uh, to know about Ron Horner Day before we sign off here. I'm just an old guy enjoying racing and watching these kids. And the only thing I'd love to get out of it is when they thank you. A thank you goes a long ways with me. I mean, I, I still I, I still got a couple guys I build race cars for. I quit building race cars because everybody wants to complain and whine. They don't want to work on them. They just want a fast race car. And uh, I just – a handful of cars and I'm building hot rods, man. I built me a '76 love truck with a one of my race motors in it. I'm gonna be doing burnouts by the end of the week. You know, we're, we're about out of time, but the one thing we haven't hit on, and I want to make sure everybody's aware of, Ryan Hornaday, you are a NASCAR Hall of Famer, and I remember when you were, achieved that, got that opportunity, opportunity, you 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 deserve that award, that 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 notoriety, and uh, I always said someone like Ron Hornaday deserves. He is a NASCAR Hall of Famer. Well, Ron, nobody, Ron, nobody, if you could figure what? out how to turn on a computer, speedsport.com if you want to listen back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell my wife she'll be home at five. But, uh, All right. No, I mean, like I said, my wife deserves it more than I do. She's been with me stick and thin 42 years. Every time I quit racing, she's had extra money or money for a motor, a fire shoe, whatever. So I owe everything to her. And you don't race to be in the Hall of Fame. And we started racing, Mike, there was no Hall of Fame. So. It's an honor, but it, it don't it, it don't really mean that much to me. Other than I'm glad somebody recognizes me taking care of Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson always had a couch or a cold beer for somebody. There you go, there you go. Ron Hornaday, Hall of Famer, Ron Hornaday Jr. Thank you for joining us today, and we wish you health and happiness in the future, my friend. Happy holidays too. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week. <laughs>